one of the most awesome ways to have fun in Art Racket is to just read in to what's being said out there. And it's not unnecessarily reading in, but understanding that plenty of celebrities, athletes, entertainers, figures, whoever it is, use coach speak as a means to deflect what's really going on. But they want to use the media as a means to communicate. Let's be honest, it's free branding, marketing, and advertising if it's used correctly. If you ignore the media, you're missing that opportunity. Some people deem that to be acceptable, and some don't. But there are things that can be conveyed and learned when you gain that honest interpretation of what's being said. So, without further ado, time for what he said and what he meant. Nothing beats an insightful press conference. I think I realized we got a long way to go. You know, uh, we definitely did some good things and we did some things that we, we want to take back. We left some yards and some points out there on the field, but for the first time coming out uh, and to get a dub is really a blessing and we were just happy to have that. That's why you need so-called experts to decipher what's really being said. It's nothing about the past, nothing about the future. It's right now we're preparing for Cincinnati. It's time for what he said and what he meant. True insight into all the cliches and coach speak. So one of the ways to look at what he said and what he meant is, I know, once again, making fun of social media here, but looking at a prospective recruit, whether it's out of high school or the transfer portal, and you look at his or her social media profiles, and oftentimes they will list their finalists that are out there. Trying to differentiate what is actually tangible and committable versus what's, uh, you know, maybe contingent, if that's the way you want to phrase it. Because Kylan Adams, the wide receiver who committed to Virginia Tech yesterday, he's a four-star prospect. It's a great get for Virginia Tech at any point, but especially in the last handful of years when they've struggled on the football field. But his final list included picking Virginia Tech over Alabama, the Ohio State University said kind of snobbily, if you have to put the V in front of it and you insist there's a little touch of pinky when you pinky sticking out when you drink, Pitt, South Carolina, and others. Finalists were Virginia Tech, ultimate destination for this receiver, Kylan Adams, along with Alabama, Ohio State, Pitt, and South Carolina. What he said out of that grouping is, I picked Virginia Tech over a lot of other really good destinations. What he meant to say, without disparaging his own self-worth in the eyes of potential NIL opportunities, is I picked Virginia Tech over Pitt, South Carolina, and others. See, here's the reality. If those were committable offers to either Ohio State or Alabama, and those are two programs that historically have and continue to recruited a very high level, Ohio State is wide receiver U, at least right now. Alabama has had their fair share of good wide receivers. Granted, you could debate how much that has happened recently. If it were a committable offer, he would have been able to commit to those programs over Virginia Tech. But in a lot of cases, you know, a four-star guy for Alabama and Ohio State is a backup choice relative to the fact that they can often go after five-star recruits and potentially explore options in the transfer portal when the season wraps up if they don't like what they have. Meanwhile, Virginia Tech, obviously they've been out on their luck recently, so they'd love to get a guy like this. Pitt, they've recruited fairly well. They've certainly developed talent. You know, if you're picking Virginia Tech over Pitt, 
I like that idea. More for defensive players, but still on offense. Pitt has been able to identify and develop wide receivers, some of whom may have gone on to offers that may not have been fully fulfilled. <coughs> Jordan Addison at USC. But that's the reality. And then there's South Carolina. They, too, have been recruiting at a higher level. Are they on the same level as Clemson, Alabama, Georgia, perhaps in another year or two, Auburn, when Auburn gets rolling under Hugh Freeze and they've upgraded their talent acquisition? I would say no. But it still is a good program with Shane Beamer, who's maximized his resources at South Carolina and elevated that program to one of the best years they've had in recent memory last year. So for Virginia Tech wide receiver commit Kylan Adams, maybe it's Keelan Adams, please forgive me if I'm misspelling his or mispronouncing his name. You look at that list, what he meant to say and what he said are not the same thing. What he said is, I picked Virginia Tech over Bama, Ohio State, Pitt, and South Carolina, among others. What he meant to say is, I picked Virginia Tech over Pitt, South Carolina, and others, and I was really comfortable and like Virginia Tech to the point where I was willing to go ahead and commit. Even though Alabama and Ohio State didn't want me now, I really didn't want to wait to see what opened up there. I wanted to go ahead and secure my future. That's insight into what really transpires with a move like this. So that's part one of what he said and what he com- what he meant. Trey, are you as skeptical as I am? Are you reading into this the same way that I am? Or are you so gung-ho by the Virginia Tech Hokies football recruiting momentum that you might be overlooking an obvious point? I mean, even if, let's say, they beat South Carolina, I think that's a comparable program. That's a really big recruiting win. So I think either way, I think the fact... The appearance... Let's put I'll put it plainly this way. Appearances matter when it comes to recruiting. And it doesn't matter how committable the Alabama and Ohio State offers were. A guy having a hat at a table that had that a, that script A and the Ohio State logo and whatever it may be and they picked the Virginia Tech hat over it, the appearance of that is always a good thing. So at the end of the day, it's still a good thing that Virginia Tech did beat out Alabama and beat out Ohio State, especially Ohio State for a wide receiver, even if not all offers are the same when it is in this case, if that makes sense. I mean, to me, Virginia Tech beat out Pitt, South Carolina, and others, plus not committable But they're on the table. All I'm saying is appearances matter when it comes 100%. to recruiting. No, I'm not. So I'm they not did. Dis- I'm not disputing the appearance. The difference I'm between you saying- and me is that some other kid in Virginia is looking at that and being like, Oh, he picked Virginia Tech, stay home over Ohio State and in Alabama, not knowing the ins and outs exactly. He can be like, and then he could talk to this guy because all these players know each other or DM each other and be like, why did you go to Tech? And he would tell him. He wouldn't be like... He might omit some details. Yes. So that's what I'm saying is it's, an, it's a really good appearance to have those two hats on there. Well, and if I'm Virginia Tech, I'm all for having Let's put it this way. He They're the have, winner. They wouldn't have those two hats on. He wouldn't have those two hats on there if if those two teams did not show any sort of interest in him. So they must have talked to him and recruited him at some point. Oh, I'm sure of that. And it was either a contingent offer or a legitimate offer, probably the contingent offer for this guy, Keelan Adams, Kylan Adams, whoever it is out of Green Run, the wide receiver that committed to Virginia Tech yesterday. But, you know, if you see this or hear about it with certain players, understand that they're not all the same. Now, 
for another version of what he said and what he meant. Nothing beats an insightful press conference. I think I realized we got a long way to go. You know, uh, we definitely did some good things, and we did some things that we, we want to take back. We left some yards and some points out there on the field, but for the first time coming out uh, and to get a dub is really a blessing, and we were just happy to have that. That's why you need so-called experts to decipher what's really being said. It's nothing about the past, nothing about the future. Right now we're preparing for Cincinnati. It's time for what he said and what he meant. True insight into all the cliches and coach speak. Next version of what he said and what he meant. Roger Goodell, commissioner of the NFL, saying the league will, quote, contemplate, in quote, sovereign investments like Saudi Arabia's PIF, the Public Investment Fund which is designed to invest in different sports properties. Their big thing right now actually is acquiring high-priced soccer players and getting them to bail on European leagues to play in Saudi Arabia. Clearly not as well-established or historically prevalent, but if you're able to bring together the dollar, dollar bills, y'all. then inevitably you'll bring those individuals to your league. But Roger Goodell saying on sovereign investment like Saudi Arabia or Qatar, which is bought into the Washington Mystics, Nationals, excuse me, Washington Mystics, Wizards, and Capitals, part of Ted Leonsis's monumental sports group. Uh, Roger Goodell saying, quote, it's something we'll contemplate at some point in time, but we really like our basic model now where we have private ownership. So here's what Roger Goodell is saying, that we're not prepared to go with private investment fund or public investment funds or whatever it is. Organizations like the Qatari government or the Saudi Arabia government, or whomever it is that wants to bring their money, whether you call it legitimate, blood money, whatever you term it. Here's what Roger Goodell means by that. It's something we'll contemplate at some point in time. That's another way of saying we really don't have to decide on that. And by doubling down and saying we really like our basic model now where we have private ownership, Roger Goodell is merely just stating, look, We have just completed sales of a couple of franchises over the last decade. From the Wilson family to the Pakula family, the Buffalo Bills. To the Kahn family, the Jacksonville Jaguars. To the Washington of the Denver Broncos, to the Walton Penner organization. That's the wall, as in Walmart group. And then the most recent one, of course, the Washington Commanders, where the NFL has forced the sale and ultimately expected to approve of it next Thursday, July 20th. But here's the other angle to this, I guess you could say. The NFL doesn't see an imminent sale down the pipe. So you don't have to tip your hand on that. But by contemplating it at some point in time, it's clear, Trey, the NFL is creating an avenue where they could clearly accept the money because if the cash is big enough, they'll find a way. We've already seen that with the league. They just don't have to deal with the potential PR hit now, which will inevitably come. But why bring it on until the cost is worth it? And of course, any amount of dollar, dollar bills, y'all, that supersedes what you have right now, particularly if. Saudi Arabia or Qatar says, hey, you know, we want to throw around, you know, let's just go with 1% of our $650 billion fund, $6.5 billion, you know, leaving them with just 99% left over for whatever they want, that the NFL could potentially consider that. Or they could boost it up to, let's just say 2%. You know, maybe you want to go with 2%. Why not? Let's go from $6.5 billion to $13 billion. Sure, the NFL could easily take that money. That's what Roger Goodell says and what he means. And now, 
to part three of what he said and what he meant. Nothing beats an insightful press conference. Uh, I think I realized we got a long way to go. You know, uh, we definitely did some good things, and we did some things that we, we want to take back. We left some yards and some points out there on the field, but for the first time coming out uh, and to get a dub is really a blessing, and we were just happy to have that. That's why you need so-called experts to decipher what's really being said. It's nothing about the past, nothing about the future. It's right now we're preparing for Cincinnati. It's time for what he said and what he meant. True insight into all the cliches and coach speak. So DJ Uyunglele, who transferred from Clemson to Oregon State uh, and played two of his three years under Tony Elliott at Clemson, came out to theathletic.com and expounded upon why he left Clemson to go to Oregon State. Part of the reason is he was probably going to get beat out by Kay Klubnick at quarterback. And, you know, it's one of those, we're going to nudge him out the door. Maybe similar he to what got they did. Beat, wait a minute. He got beat out by Cl- Cade Klubnick, basically. Well, at the end of last year, he clearly did. And it didn't look like it was going to trend in his direction at all come the offseason. In other words, Clemson had seen enough to know what they had in him. And it wasn't enough to elevate them to being a contender for the college football playoff and to make noise in the college football playoff. But DJ Uyunglele came out and said and it kind of builds on what we've said over the last couple days about the Virginia Cavaliers, quote, I didn't want to do what I was doing at Clemson. I didn't really like what we did scheme-wise. I didn't think we did very much. I thought it was very basic. It didn't help me out as a quarterback and play to my strengths. DJ, you added on to this by saying, I wanted to go somewhere that would play to my strengths and go somewhere that would develop me for the NFL. All right, let, let, let's pause this for just a second. Because there's two parts to this. One is this. DJ Uyunglele right now is going to Oregon State, where it's a run-heavy attack, including running at the quarterback position. Not the same, but think similar principle-wise. We're not talking schematics, but principle-wise to Jamie Chabell and Liberty University. Maybe even more so less passing, excuse me, at Oregon State than what Liberty would have in an ideal world because that staff threw it a lot with Grace and McCall. Don't know whether they'll do that this year. A lot depends on personnel and scheme, but Oregon State never has really thrown the football. I don't see anything in DJU Ingle's game or in the Oregon State offensive system that is likely to position a quarterback to go to the NFL. Now, you want to have a chance to play for your final couple years, play the best you can? Sure, absolutely. I can see value in that. Has Oregon State overachieved relative expectations? No doubt about it. But that part is the one part to unpack. But here's the other part. When DJU comes out and says, I didn't really like what we did scheme-wise. I didn't think we did very much. I thought it was very basic, and it didn't help me out as a quarterback or play to my strengths. Isn't that to a degree, Trey, a knock on Tony Elliott? And... Jeff Scott, the former offensive coordinators, especially Elliott, who was there for two of the three years. Jeff Scott wasn't really there with DJU. No, I mean, he kind of helped recruit him, but it was Tony Elliott who was there. Isn't this kind of a knock on Tony Elliott? And again, I don't mean to be piling on because I've said this before, and I will double and triple down this. I want Virginia to do well. I would love to see Tony Elliott overachieve relative to the three and a half win mark that has been set on this team. We just keep it real, baby. Exactly, Trey. I mean, you know, we got to keep it real. I mean, the, the truth is the results speak for themselves. From Virginia most recently with an offense where the quarterback play and offensive play in general regressed, averaging fewer than 20 points a game uh, under Tony Elliott in his first year, to the fact that, let's be honest, 
DJ Uyunglele struggled during his tenure at Clemson and never developed as a quarterback. Some of that, I think, is on him and maybe an overbearing father who, such a staunch cheerleader, you kind of get in the way of telling your son, hey, maybe you need to work on things and improve things rather than, hey, you can do no wrong. I'm your biggest fan and supporter out there. And don't tell me this. You don't understand as a parent. I got kids that are now five now, and, and we've taken a little bit of a different approach. That I love them to death, but they're not perfect, and there are always things that they can get better at, even though I'm very proud of what they are as five-year-old boys right now. And to expound upon that further, here's the other point you could bring up with DJU. Couldn't you go back even further to Trevor Lawrence at Clemson? His best years, you could argue, were his freshman year. And he could, you could argue, or at least the offense around Trevor Lawrence took steps back his sophomore and junior seasons. He was obviously good enough to elevate them. He helped get them to the college football playoff the other two years, Trevor Lawrence did, losing in the national title game to LSU and then losing to the Ohio State University in the college football playoff semifinal before bolting for the NFL draft. And yes, as bad as it was for Tony Elliott, it probably regressed even more so with Urban Meyer and the Jacksonville Jaguars. But I mean, that's not the standard to which you should be aspiring if you're any organization. The truth is, what DJU said and what he meant is, I don't want to throw Tony Elliott under the bus, but... I think he and what Clemson had going on, and look, God bless him. I know a lot of people who who really like Streeter, the offensive coordinator there as well, and thought he got a raw deal when he got the boot and they brought in Riley from TCU. I think the results kind of speak for themselves in terms of needing fresh blood. And I don't pretend to know everything. It but was Tony Elliott's offense they were running last year. It was the same offense they ran under Tony Elliott when they elevated Brandon Streeter. So Brandon Streeter was on the staff when Tony Elliott was there and they had the struggles and he just got elevated and it didn't work out. So it's not like he was a new hire and it was a new offense. It was the same offense. Indeed. And that to me is, is a large portion of what it is. Clemson needed to freshen things up with the entire offensive scheme and operation. And, you know, Streeter might be able to be a good offensive coordinator at some point. I hope the stench of being at uh, Clemson the last couple of years and that offense underperforming relative to the talent and expectations wears off. But I don't think DJU is exactly wrong in that regard. And again, I'm this is coming from not Trey's perspective. He's a Virginia Tech guy, so obviously he wants to see Virginia struggle and continue to be irrelevant. I want Virginia to do well. But the truth of the matter is, is again, perception-wise versus reality-wise, it kind of gets to some of the feedback that we've gotten on our social media platforms. Chad chimes in, and yes, this is Chad Asin who was with us earlier in the week, Fastly Ned Lane, where you listen to podcasts. But he mentioned the hiring of Chad. Well, I believe the wrong word is not stabilized. I believe it was more of a launch, given the perception of the state of the program. And yeah, I mean, again, it goes back to perception and things that we've said before. Well, OG, who adds frustration for sure? Now, Ahmad Hawkins, and this is the same Ahmad Hawkins, who's a friend of ours in the fast lane, chimed in. It's a reason you play the games. Off-season for us media heads is to create various narratives, and then we get to sit back and see who was, quote, right, end quote. He adds, hashtag Pettyhawk, says, the hell with all that, line up and then talk. Another order of S-T-H-U, that's shut the hell up. S-T-H-U juice has been recorded. And he's laughing about that, and he says it in jest. And, you know, Ahmad's a friend of mine, so I I take it, you know, in jest as, as we've obviously discussed previously. But the point that I, I get for Ahmad is lining up and playing the games. Where I will disagree is it's a challenge because you lose a lot of talent from last year. You are banking on the new talent meshing better with your scheme, and you're trying to do that in a, with a schedule that creates a lot of challenges for Virginia to achieve those particular goals, which 
conveniently, is exactly where we get to roll right in to our votes of confidence. Nothing provides the intended inspiration quite like a vote of confidence. The confidence I think that the team has. You know, winning makes you feel good, it makes you confident. Now, here's our votes of confidence, inspiring you with the certainty you're seeking. All right, Trey, time to go ahead and look at the win totals for Virginia, Virginia Tech, and Lippert. We're doing that now? Well, uh, we'll give a sneak peek on this. Because we, we got a whole month. We have a whole month to fully get into it. But I will merely say this. If you're traveling around, um, am I wrong to wonder, Virginia's over-under win total is three and a half. I have their skepticism schedule. that they can reach the over three and a half mark, meaning they need to go four and eight, five and seven, or they gotta go four eligible. and eight. They gotta go four and eight. I minimum. struggle to see that. I will merely say. So, so let's, let's and, uh, hold up. Let me add one more. It's juiced to the over. So the books are telling you they might move that win total from three and a half to four or four and a half. Um, Let, we can wait it out, Trey, for another month like you just mentioned because if we're going to get that number going up to four and a half, okay, wait it out. If you're traveling, you've got time. So so let's let's just go with the old school old school way to do it. Virginia, Tennessee. Loss. Loss. James Madison, Virginia. Let's just, let's be nice. Win. So that's one. Virginia on the road against Maryland. Um... Loss. NC State. Loss. Boston College at home. Toss-up. Women Mary. Win. So that's the second win. North Carolina. On the road. Loss. Miami. Loss. Georgia Tech. I'll say that's a toss-up. Louisville. Loss. I, I, I'm I high on Louisville. Under Jeff Brown. Duke. Probably a loss. And the Virginia Tech will say a toss-up. So they have to go two and two in their toss-up games, right? Virginia Tech, BC, Georgia Tech. They have to go two and one in their toss-up games. Well, I'm already throwing Virginia Tech as a loss because, I mean, oh, I don't know, the last 25 years. I understand that. Indication. But if we're, if we're being, so two and one in their toss-up and, and hold games. Up, and I don't care where the game's played. It's going to be a Virginia Tech home field advantage. So do you think they would they could get two wins against BC, Georgia Tech, and Virginia Tech? No. I lean to the no on no, that. I don't think so. Because BC's on the road, I believe. Uh, Yeah, BC's on the road. Not Georgia, that that's a daunting place or anything. Georgia Tech's at home. Or that Virginia has a home field advantage. Like, I think Georgia Tech's going to be improved this year. I do agree with I that. Think they Virginia's can't be worse Like I, I would argue BC is the one that's more likely to win. Out of I would, oh, I would argue with that as but well. But do you agree with me on in terms of those are the three toss-up games? Yes, I, I think that's a very reasonable maybe way Duke, Maybe Duke, but I they have Riley Leonard, and I, I really liked what Mike Elko's doing. Very, very good point. Indeed. So should we move to uh, Virginia Tech now? Um, we can. I I, I'll, I, I lean the under. Like for I Virginia lean the Tech under. at five, or for Virginia at three and a half. What do I feel more confident in? No, no. You said you lean the under for Virginia uh, UVA. Okay, Virginia Tech. They're at five, and Liberty is at nine. All right. So Virginia Tech. Let's let's go again the old school way. This is how you have to. This is how I always have done my over unders. Virginia Tech. ODU. I'm gonna assume that's a win. Purdue and Purdue Virginia Tech. Uh, Purdue's doing a lot of changes. I'll say that's a toss-up game. Virginia Tech Rutgers. I will also say it's a toss-up game, but those could easily be losses. I, 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 
One's at home, one's on the road. You could argue they split those. Marshall on the road, let's assume that's a win. Pitt. Toss-up? It's it's at Virginia Tech. So toss-up since it's at Virginia Tech. Florida State loss. Uh, Home to Wake. If this was Wake with Sam Hartman, I would say yes. I would move this to a toss-up because we have not seen their quarterback yet. Fair enough. Syracuse win. Louisville, I lean towards a loss. Boston, yeah, that's a way. Uh, Boston College, I uh, I lean towards a Tech win. NC State, I think this will be a toss-up because uh, last year a bad Virginia Tech team almost beat that NC State team. Um, and uh, That might be the Dr. Bob great play call game. There we go. And then the Virginia Tech-Virginia game, uh, as I mentioned, already said was a toss-up. So, you know, there are a lot They have of a lot more. They're, they're, I think, they're like graph. If you make a bell chart of Virginia Tech's, is like like between seven and five and like three and eight. Yeah, I mean, I think Three and whatever. Yeah, I mean, I could see them going anywhere from about three and nine all the way up that's to it. eight and four. I can't do math. Best case, eight and four to nine and three. I mean, they're, they're going to lose to Florida State, I would say. E- they will lose a couple of other games, but where they come is in question. That is a legitimate... So- Toss up. Would you agree with me? At worst, they're two and two in the non-con. Yes, I, I would say at so, worst two and two. At worst two and two in the non-con, and so they need to get to they need to get bowling right. They're five and a half. Correct. So if you can go four and four in the ACC, which is very doable, uh, I I so I lean over, but I have more confidence in Virginia going under than I have Virginia Tech going over. You know, I I would agree with you by and large which, on that. Granted. <laughs> last game of the year could be both hitting for us if we agree you know we might be able to get some multiple bragging rights by the way you're home for virginia tech football and a slew of college and pro football games right here cbs sports radio lynchburg uh liberty i'll give you my biggest overview and that is i'm not so sure on the under i think the schedule is so much easier this year compared to prior years now our guy oliver hodgkinson of collegefootballnetwork.com and uh, also with Pro Football Network who, who studies college football in the NFL draft. He thinks that conference is going to be better than given credit for. Liberty's the second favorite in it, but they don't have any of the big heavyweights out of conference like a BYU, a UAB, a Virginia Tech, or an Arkansas. None of those are on the schedule this year. So they may be from a power rating standpoint worse than last year, but better positioned for a better win-loss record than in prior years. I'm very curious what Paul Stone, pro handicapper, will say on that when he joins us next week in the fast lane. And by the way, we're hoping to connect with Phil Steele as well on that. So we're getting everyone big names. You know, we're rolling out the red Um, carpet. I was just mentioning is like. Bowling Green was a bowl team last year. New Mexico State was a bowl team last year because of Liberty. Buffalo was a oh, bowl. Oh, no question. Buffalo was a, I believe, was a bowl team last year. Um, Middle Tennessee was a bowl team last year. Western Kentucky was a bowl team last year. Louisiana Tech was a bowl team last year, and I and I believe UTEP actually got to a bowl. Like they're playing a lot of teams that made bowl games last year. So that is where like. It's more of I could see Liberty. I feel like Liberty's going to finish eight and four and play Western Kentucky in the Conference USA Championship game. I I personally would rather bet Liberty to win CUSA. They're at about plus two forty, two point four. Then to bet they're over and un, over under. Western Kentucky is about one point eight. Liberty's at about two point four to one. You, but that's what I think. Like no, I think it. I could see them going eight and four. And rematching Western Kentucky in the 
Conference USA Championship game and then beating them and winning the conference. I think that's very fair and very reasonable. So if I had an under ticket or an over ticket, I would have I would have lost. But if I have the I, and I get better value. Speaking of sports and using those analogies, we're kind of scrambling on giving you NASCAR projections because the Xfinity Series practice is going on right now. There's a chance it wraps up and we've got some results after our chat with Brandon I was Marcello say, good, of 247 Sports. Good news is you can't pick Ty Gibbs in the Xfinity race. I know. I can't pick him to sweep the weekend, but yeah. I might be able to pick his team to do that. <laughs> Find out if I'll do that. I around. won't pick Sam Mayer. I'll just say that. Huh? I said I'm not picking Sam Mayer. You know, I can understand that, too. Anyway, we're going to try to hold off on NASCAR because Xfinity practice is underway, um, and it's not too far from being over. Results will be out shortly uh, on that. Qualifying coming into focus, too. So we're going to wait until afterwards. But when we return, speaking of local events, there's local racing and Commonwealth Games. Their kickoff weekend is next weekend with the opening ceremonies and main games weekend. But arguably the staple event of that entire games is this weekend. Dave Walls from ABC 13 covering that, and we'll discuss it next in the Fast Lane.